Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We have a really cool interview for you today, and I'm excited to bring it to you. Real quick, before we hop into that, ways that you can stay in touch and keep up with what's going on with doing it at home. First of all, you can check out Parents on Demand Network, the pod network that we are a part of. Parents on Demand is the first podcast network for parents and families. Tons of fun and educational podcasts for you to check out. So you can do that on parentsondemand.com or the app in iOS and Android, Parents on Demand. So go there. You can also connect with us via Instagram, D-I-A-H podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Doing It at Home, as well as a private Facebook group for the community, Doing It at Home Birth Group. And our website, of course, diahpodcast.com, where you can reach out to us, check out some cool resources we have there, and all ways that you can support the show. Speaking of supporting the show and helping us keep it running, there are things that it takes to keep a podcast in motion. You can go to our store and buy some doing it at home gear and rep your doing it at home pride out there in the birth world. Hashtag birth junkie. So go to bonfire.com slash store slash D-I-A-H podcast for that. Or all those links that I just threw at you are in today's show notes. So you can go do that. But in our store, we have shirts, we have tanks, we have long sleeves, we have hoodies and sweatshirts, different styles, different designs, colors, sizes. Go check it out. Okay. 
Today's interview, we're chatting with Laura Jean, a dietitian of over 15 years, and we have a really powerful conversation because it's not your typical topic around food. We're talking about how you can have a healthy relationship with your food in preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum to really become the expert in your own personal relationship with food. So we get into how to approach your nutrition from a holistic and loving mindset and listening to your body and ultimately experiencing freedom from what we typically hear when it comes to how we eat and diets and all of that sort of stuff. So it's a great resource source for you at any stage in motherhood. And this stuff is is true and evergreen as far as how you relate to your, your body, your health, and your nutrition. So we're super grateful to Laura Jean for joining us. And here it is. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you? I'm great, Sarah. How are you going today? Awesome. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we're both super excited that you're here, hanging out with us. We're going to have a powerful conversation, and we're just grateful that you carved out some time. So thank you again. No worries. Thanks, Matt. So could you share with us uh, just a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, as your listeners would have picked up by my accent already, I'm based in <laughs> Australia. Um, I'm a dietitian, so registered dietitian um, is what you call it in um, the US. Over here, we just call it accredited practicing dietitian, just to be a bit different, um, but same thing. And so I've been working for about 15 years, um, did the usual thing out of uni and got out, you know, all gung-ho, ready to help people uh, change their eating and, and, and their lives. Um, and what I realized really quickly on was that um, there was sort of like a missing piece um, and a bit of a science nerd, I started kind of uh, researching things and trying different things with clients, and doing heaps of courses. Um, and I came across um, something that was kind of had been missing in my training, but was really starting to make a lot of difference with my um, the people I worked with. And that was um, people's relationships with food. And so I started to really dig into that with people. So more, not just what people ate, but you know, how they ate and why they ate. I mean, at uni, we get taught to talk to people about who does the cooking and kind of little things like that. But it's still all about the what. Um, and so I realized um, as I worked with people that this was a really big part of um, how they ate and, and impacting on um, what they did eat as well, plus also making change. And so for me, that's sort of where um, Eat With Awareness was born. Um, and over the years, I've just kind of refined it and, and worked with it Um and I suppose um, come to a point where my practice or my, my you know, the way, the way that I work with people is really all about empowering women particularly to be the expert in their own eating experience. So I know I started out with I'm a dietitian, but 
um, and which is just kind of like almost like a reflex. It's not so much about me, though, being the expert, but about helping um, empowering women, as I said, to see that they are really the expert in their relationship with food and um, and they're kind of like the co-pilot and how we can work together to build that healthy relationship with food. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I love that. I think that's so great. And some of the, even the, some of the terms that you used in terms of how you describe what you do, I feel like you could parallel that with how a midwife works with a woman through her pregnancy and preparation for birth. You know, we hear a lot of that on the show and now to apply that to nutrition and wellness and your relationship with food, you being there as you said, the co-pilot, you know, and to really empower you towards your relationship with food. I feel like that's what a midwife does for a woman in her relationship to her body, her pregnancy, and her birth. And, you know, that's a big topic for women, for mothers, and for any stage in that, whether it's preconception, you know, you're thinking about how you're feeding your body um, to be the, the best, healthiest vessel for baby. And then, of course, while you're pregnant, and then postpartum, because for lots of women, you are still directly linked with baby, particularly if you're breastfeeding. And then even beyond that experience, just how you are um, nourishing yourself as a mama, because so much is required of you. And then also you have a little person watching you and your habits and what you're doing as it relates to food as well. So I, I said all of that to say, I think it's amazing <laughs> what you're doing. And I just yeah. think it's, it's so cool. And just by um, calling what you do eating with awareness, I think is right in line with the doing it at home community as far as, you know, awareness, empowerment, um, exploration, and finding out what your what your options are as it relates to your life, your birth, and what you eat. So I kudos and we need you all over the place. Um, but I guess that's the beauty of what you can do. You can work with people all over the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I really like that idea, Sarah, where you were sort of comparing with with that sort of journey of midwife. And I think that's really, um, really powerful for people to kind of see that working in a different way, because particularly people are sort of used to that kind of medical care where the experts telling you. Um, and yeah, the way that I work is more about that connection. And I, and you sort of mentioned that too, about how midwife helps a woman connect to their body around birthing and that whole journey, birthing through to birth, a baby and breastfeeding and, and that whole relationship. And, and that's really what it's about at the end of the day I think connection um, to our body and and it's no different when it comes to eating and that's really kind of like the point that um that I'm powering from is connecting to their own body and not to get too woo-woo but like you know it's that innate wisdom that we have inside us um, we're born with this ability to interact with our body when it comes to birthing babies but also when it comes to our um how we eat and mm. how we how we help our children to eat as well um that's inside us and it's just kind of been a bit undermined so yeah I think that coming back to that real strong connection to the body is really key. Mm. So what would you say um, in a couple of words or so, what eating with awareness <clears throat> is for you and how you relay that to uh, to clients, to people you work with? Yeah, there's probably a couple of um, elements. So the first one would be that um, – that listening to our body, so listen to listen, so to actually just pick up on the cues that our body sends us and to build that connection back with our body because we're all born with it. Um, and for any of the mamas listening out there who have um, have had been through that sort of early days of kids' journey or babies, they're born with that ability. You know, um, everyone knows when the baby's hungry, it will cry, and it's not going to stop crying until it gets fed. And that's our inbuilt system to interact with food. So listening um, and getting back that connection to that system that's built 
that's inside us, trusting. So learning how to trust again um, for particularly for women around um, their relationship with food, trusting their bodies, which is a really huge thing, uh, and trusting that they do have that wisdom and then um, enjoying, so enjoying food. So it's all about listening, trusting and enjoying um, the whole eating experience. Can you expand on the trust part? Because uh, listening, I totally get. Enjoying, I totally get. Trusting, yeah. that's, that can be a, kind of an interesting murky area, especially if somebody doesn't have that relationship um, with, with their body. So can you, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, Matt, it's, it's really true. So trust, um, I think trusting is about our trusting ourselves again. Um, and what it does come down to, without getting too deep too quickly, is generally for most women it's about um, recognizing their own self-worth and their worthiness um, and around trusting that, but also trusting that their body actually does know there is that wisdom. Um, and often for women, I liken it to, you know, when you need to go to the loo, um, toilet, um, you know, your body gives you a signal. You trust that. You know, if you don't go to the toilet, you're probably going to embarrass yourself right. socially, unless, you know. So we trust it in instinctively. So it's actually, it's a, it's a whole process of building that trust up. And that's um, why I talk about it being a relationship with food, because, you know, when you're in a relationship with with a significant other we understand there has to be communication so listening there has to be trust and there has to be fun too and that's no different for food and so the trust is really about um, being able to kind of tune out all those external rules and signals and, and messages we've learned about food and eating um, so basically we've kind of gotten to a point where most of us can can kind of on autopilot outsource all of our eating, like um, our relationship with food and how we actually interact with food. And so trust is bringing it back to the body and it's finding the ability to, one, know what our body's telling us and then to honour that, like to actually be able to follow through with that. So rather than say when you listen and you feel a hunger signal, for a lot of women what happens is then their body, um, their body tells them they're hungry but the trust is broken down. They've been taught by messaging and dieting to not trust their body to, or oh, hungers, hungers can't be trusted you know that's um, actually a sign that you're burning you know that you're going to lose weight you're burning fat or that oh you can't trust your hunger because remember as a kid you were given all these messages about how you used to eat too you know inverted commas too much and so there's all this kind of programming that's really undermined that trust so it's about building that up and it does come down to kind of being able to kind of um, reduce all the outside noise and bring it in um, to that that connection to the body really um but it is it is probably the toughest part of the three steps of it all um so yeah um and like you say it does and i imagine you you know you would have picked um come across that you know repeatedly in the whole journey of birth um there's there's the the listening part where you can physically know what's going on but being able to trust and actually um trust that the body has that experience and wisdom to 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 give you a happy um a healthy and safe safe birth for mum and bub is is often trickier mm. yeah i mean that trust yeah. piece uh, like you said it it's often the most challenging and um you know that was big for our journey in in bringing maya earthside it was just being able to trust you know <clears throat> relationships sarah trusting her body me trusting that mm. i knew what i like like i could show up powerfully and so um yeah, I I totally I totally get why with with the work that you do, that trust component is is so ridiculously key. So I'm curious what is happening um in the lives of your clients when they come to you, right? They reach some sort of state where they're like, "Okay, I'm I I need something to shift, I need some help." And then they come to you. So what uh what are they experiencing when they when they make that decision? 
Yeah, there can often be a few trigger points. And so one of the one big one actually, um, and in particular with your audience, is 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 when we have children for women, when we have children, um, you know, lots of things are heightened. Well, one, it's a bit of a kind of, you know, like a turning point. It makes us think about things a bit more or maybe question things, how we've always done things. Um, but also when we start feeding our kids particularly, um, usually more like solid food as opposed to um, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, but there's still lots of things that come up there. Um, but when we start feeding um, kids or introducing food, it starts to bring up, um, can, can trigger like um, our own experience or for, for women their own experience around food and messages they received. And also it can really highlight um, if there's any areas where women have really lost that trust and they're feeling like maybe a bit out of control around eating or feeling like a bit of an inverted commas crazy person when it comes to food and that can really come up. So that can be a trigger point um, when, when we have kids because it does sort of highlight our own relationship or perhaps the lack thereof with food. Um, and then the other probably point um, too in relation to pregnancy and birth is is that um, there's a lot of pressure on women to around around weight and around food and around getting you know getting back the pre baby you know pre baby body and 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 what comes into that is is sort of like fad dieting or dieting or, or often like you know really big changes to food or, or restrictive eating unfortunately to try and um, to again it's it's about not having trust in our body that our body will shift or that our body's just meant to change but internalizing all those messages that tell us that it shouldn't change that we should that we should be in control of our body and so that can be a trigger as well and often that can be when women are looking for looking for an answer around it but for a lot of women by the time they get to that point in their journey around food they kind of know that um diets in, in inverted commas like fad diets or restrictive diets don't really work but they really there's there's no other option so when women come to me it's all almost like I've tried it all or you know I, I've, I've tried things and I know this doesn't work but I don't know what else to do mm-hmm. um, because we're not taught taught another way we're taught that oh you need to do something about your food or your weight will go you know go find the answers from someone else, go seek an expert, go, you know, go on this diet, do this plan, you know, and everyone's got an opinion, of course, your brother's sister's best friend's neighbor, Mm -hmm. you know, will tell you about what she did and how she lost this and did that. And so, um, yeah, so there are probably a couple of the key times when people come to me when they hit that kind of almost like diet rock bottom, when they've tried it all, they know, they just, women get to that point where they realize this isn't quite right. It's not sitting with me anymore. Um, and I think because of the the shift that happens for women through birth and, and, and into motherhood, it does really change how we sort of see things. And when you go through that experience and you learn about that trust and that, you know, that ability to connect to your body, I think it starts to spill out in, in other spaces. So it is a time when often women, yeah, start questioning that. Um, and I think that the biggest um, barrier there is just not knowing what else mm-hmm. to do. And so I do tend to find um, women find me then, um, but unfortunately a lot of women will go through that whole process for a lot longer until they do find somebody, maybe not me personally, but somebody like me who can help them um, to actually work on the, the hows and whys of eating as opposed to just the whats and help them connect to their body around food. That's huge, the hows and whys as opposed to the whats. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and that's what the healthy relationship with food is really about. It's looking at how and why we eat as opposed to just what. And the thing that I've um, learned over the last 15 years is that if we focus on the what's, it actually doesn't change anything. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, it might, might change it for a small period of time, you know, right. if, if we, um, you know, when we white knuckle it. But 
if we want to change things long term, particularly around our body and our eating, we really need to look at the hows and whys. And the magic of it is when we do that, the what's kind of take care of themselves. And we don't even have to think in so much about the what if we're really connected to the hows and whys of eating. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That's, yes, I completely agree. It sounds like, because it is, a deeply emotionally layered thing. You know, food and our relationship to food and our bodies are so connected with our emotions. And I'm sure you see evidence of that and experience that in, in your work. Yeah, definitely. And and not just emotions, but thoughts as well, because right. a lot of the, you know, for a lot of our body processes, we do rely on, on like, you know, um, our body signaling. So you put your hand on something hot, you get a pretty immediate reaction and you pull your hand away. Like it's, it's a, it's a big, strong feedback system. The same systems in play with our body. It's just, we've learned, we've been taught, um, to, to try and control it with thought, um, and changing behavior. So instead of pulling our hand away or going to the cupboard and getting something to eat or being able to sit back and enjoy food, we've internalized all these messages. So yeah, it's all multi-layered around emotions and, and our whole thought processes. Um, and also, um, yeah, that, that connection. Yeah. So it's, um, there's a lot of work around that. Yeah. It's a bit, bit more being like a nutritional therapist yeah. than an actual um, totally. Yeah, you know, telling people what to eat. Mm. So yeah. I want to try something um, cool with you. So, you know, we have women listening to the show at all stages, right? Or any <clears throat> any point at the spectrum of motherhood. Some are planning and are at preconception, you know, non-moms, as some of them like to, to call themselves. Um, you know, women who are pregnant and preparing for birth. And then women postpartum who just love empowering conversation about birth. So I wanted to try for a moment, if you were open to it, um, going through each of those phases and just briefly giving a couple of whether it's empowering point or or a tip or something that a woman could be tapping into as far as her relationship with food. Um, Cause that comes up, you know, we have women, mm. even in, in my clients that I work with, it's like they're, they want to become pregnant at some point, but they want to get their relationship with food in a healthy place before they become pregnant and before their body shifts. Right. Or when the body is shifting during pregnancy, it's like a lot could be happening there as far as when those changes come up, what that does. And then, you know, we already talked about postpartum, the pressures and things. So to start with preconception, what are a couple of things that you, would uh, impart on a woman who's in that stage as far as how she could look at her eating with awareness? Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful point of the journey to preconception because it's just you, um, you know, as um, a lot of the people listening would know once, once kids get involved, it, the, everything shifts. So <laughs> it's a really great time to, you know, focus on you um, and to be able to build that connection, to build, um, yeah, build that, uh, that work. So I would 
generally say start getting curious, getting curious about how you interact with food, getting really curious, being a bit like an observer. And, and you know, it's a little bit like mindfulness type things. And, and you've probably, you know, had people talk about that in relation to birth and um, and things. But when it comes to food, it's, it's about really being mindful about, well, what's going on? And not mindful as in mindful of what you put in your mouth, but more mindful of what you're putting in your head that influences what you're putting in your mouth. So what are the thoughts that pop into your head? Um, you know, what are you, how are you kind of talking to yourself around food? What kind of level of enjoyment do you have around eating? Because that will tell you a lot. If you're able to sit down and enjoy food without thinking about what you're doing, you know, if you're able to somebody tells you let's go catch up for lunch or dinner and you're able to go without oh yeah excellent for sure without really thinking um then you know and you're building that enjoyment versus maybe if you think oh can I go there will I be able to find food I can eat you know getting stressed out about that sort of stuff so I think being really curious um and being mindful and like I said not mindful of because sometimes when we talk about mindful and eating people think it's about mindful of you know what goes in your mouth but really being mindful of your yes. thoughts around food mm-hmm. yeah and 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 your enjoyment level um and that that can be a, a, just a little bit of a barometer to, to let you know where you're at. If you're if you're not really enjoying eating, if it's always more all of it's more happening in your head, where it's all thought based and thinking, and the thoughts aren't mm, I'd really like to eat this or what what do I really feel like? It's more about what should I do? What shouldn't I do? Right. Thoughts like good good and bad, like lots of labelling of food based on like morals mm-hmm. um, is, is something to watch out for. And the other one I'll just mention, well, this is probably to all the stages, is yeah. sometimes um, don't get fooled by the label of healthy. Sometimes we can use um, healthy as a way to kind of not justify our kind of relationship with food, but sometimes when things aren't great, we can sort of think, but, but I've got to do that for my health. Um, if it's more coming from what you should do and what I've got to do, no matter what, the reason is versus what I feel like, what I want to eat, then that's that's something to be really aware of. Um, and if you're more along the what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I have to do, what everyone tells me, you know, what what all the science says, all that kind of stuff, then that's probably a, an opportunity to go, okay, well, how could I connect more to my body around eating? That's great. In a nutshell. <laughs> so, that's yeah, awesome. I mean, it's just a time to be really curious um, mm-hmm. around what's going on. Um, yeah, and it, it can be a really tough time for, for women in that preconception phase, particularly for women living in a larger body because there is a lot of pressure around fertility and weight mm. um, and that can be really tricky. Um, but there's women of all weights getting pregnant and I think it's often can be a bit of a, to, to not sort of call people out or anything, but a bit of a lazy kind of medical um, way of looking at it to just kind of blame weight. And so try and focus as much as you can, less on weight, um, even if there is that pressure, that can be hard, but more on your relationship with food. Because for those women in that phase and for women living in a larger body, you know you know in yourself that focusing on your weight for the last 10, 15, 20 years hasn't changed it. Um, and this is an opportunity to focus on, on just what's going on around food. Um, so just sort of mention that as well, because that can be a bit of a pressure point in that preconception phase. Yeah, that's powerful. That's, that's a great... Um awareness for you to drop so that people can can kind of see and 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 like really see their relationship to it Mm. yes so what about pregnancy so when we're pregnant um there's lots of rules being thrown at us around food and Mm -hmm. and definitely um you know what we can and can't eat so that sort of comes into play and yes there are a few things for food safety reasons um the other thing again around the pressure on weight and that just comes through everywhere because um women's weights are tracked and um sometimes um 
people can get there, you know, get in a little bit of a tizzy when weight changes. But but know that it's a time of, um, and I'm sure you have talked about this with yourselves and guests a lot, but it's such a time of change for your body. Um, and it's important and it should be changing. And just focusing, I think it's a really nice time to focus on nourishment and nourishment of you as well as nourishment of the baby. Um, and instead of um, that being necessarily just a do this, do that kind of nourishment, more just, you know, um, connecting to your body and what feels good in your body. Um, and pregnancy is a nice time for that, not so nice always, but, you know, where you do have stronger cravings for things and your body's giving you lots of messages around food. Um, and it is a time where women just realise how little can control that we really do have over food and our eating and our body um, and I would just encourage to um, you know I know it's an overused phrase but to lean into that as opposed to try and fight it you'll go through phases where you just can't eat certain foods and some phases where all you want to eat is you know pickles out of a jar which is such a cliche but it's so true <laughs> or you want to go for this or that um, and so really working on just allowing that to be because the more you try and fight it and restrict it um, particularly around cravings for so-called inverted commas bad foods, um, it doesn't go away. It just builds up over time, and that leads to can lead to kind of um, you know binging or different activities, but also just guilt around food. Mm. But instead, allow that to be there and really just listening to your body. Your body's trying to grow a baby and grow all these things, and it will want more high energy foods, um, and that's just normal. And particularly if pre-pregnancy um, or in your kind of that before that journey started, if you if you have done some dieting and restricting, that can kind of heighten in pregnancy. So be aware of that and know that it's completely normal. Um, there's not something wrong with you if you're wanting to do you know um, runs to the to the gas station to grab chockies at 10 p.m. in the evening or. 6 a.m. in the morning or whenever it might be that's completely normal it's your body knowing it's your body kind of going hey we need a bit more energy on board here so just making sure you're nourishing you're getting regular meals as much as you can obviously if you're experiencing morning sickness just do whatever you can um but you do yeah for women really notice that change and in, in the early parts of pregnancy you know you notice appetite changes and so there's lots of changes going on with your body so it's a really nice time to connect to really connect to what the messages the body's giving you around food and eating and to actually just start if you can building on that trust knowing that your body is making these changes and changing kind of requests of you um, because it's it's nourishing you and it's nourishing your baby mm. that's beautiful change embracing the change that's a big part of yeah and I think that will spill into an impact every other part of your life as well. And then particularly planning for, for birth and beyond, I think is, is yep. a great mantra, a great thing to be practicing during that. Um, what about postpartum phase? Yeah. So postpartum, um, you just got to feed yourself mama. Like you've got to fuel, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're generally not getting enough sleep. Um, if you're, if you are breastfeeding or expressing, um, you're going to have really high energy needs. And even for mums who aren't, who are, who are bottle feeding or maybe you can bottle feed breast milk as well, but, but formula feeding, mm -hmm. you're still going to have, um, you still, it doesn't just go away. I think there's sometimes people feel like, oh, the baby's out of me. Therefore I don't need any extra fuel. You do. So allow that to happen and just listen to your body again you're going to your body's going to give you some good signaling there um and you're going to be hungrier and that's normal because it's like you're running a marathon every day you know on about two hours sleep so in that particularly the earlier stages you know make sure that you are fueling your body um and yeah making sure that you have um have food around and it doesn't have to be you know and and trying to be 
less rigid if you are used to being rigid and restricting around the foods that you do eat. It's a nice opportunity to just focus on getting enough in because priorities really shift in that early phase of motherhood, um, you know, where it's kind of like, um, yeah, you might have been so for women who perhaps were used to sort of dieting and restricting and really focusing on what they can eat, um, there, there, there might have been a lot of control happening, which just can't even happen in that mother, early phase of motherhood because life is just way too hectic. Um, so it's a nice opportunity to actually just let that go and to see what's the worst that can happen. Generally nothing. You know, if you're not, um, if you're not completely controlling your food every minute, it's not, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I think, yeah, really in that early phase of motherhood, it's a nice time to, um, to really just let go of control um, because, as we know, that's happening in all areas of your life. Once you have this baby in your arms, you realise that control's an illusion um, and you just got to go with the flow. And I would say that with food too um, and just working with what's available. You know, if you've got um, – uh, what was I going to say? Not request um, – well, request request food if you can. Tell all your friends, don't worry about the baby registry, but please bring around food, <laughs> snacks, meals. That's the best kind of um, present in those early phases. Um, but you really do need it. You do need more food and fuel and, and just to recognise that just because the baby's not inside you anymore, you're still feeding and fueling it. And that applies whether you're physically breastfeeding, yeah, whether you're actually breastfeeding or not, you still need more fuel then. Um, and, yeah, and just... Being, um, yeah, just releasing the control is probably the best thing for that phase of motherhood because that's about that's about all that you can probably manage <laughs> in those early sort of stages um, would be what I would encourage. Yeah, can you can you share some some of your advice on how to release control in that stage? Because I mean, we all know that yeah, that's that's the best thing. That's the best place to get. That's the ideal. But getting there could be so freaking challenging, like releasing control and going with the flow when, you know, maybe somebody is not used to that or maybe it's, it's it, you know, you're trying to remind yourself to do those things in the midst of all the newness. So when you're working with somebody and it's clear that they could benefit by letting go and just going with the flow a little bit in that postpartum stage, but they're struggling with it, what sort of things do you tell them? <laughs> Yeah, so probably there's a couple of ways you can work at it. Well, one, my favorite little mantra is what's the worst that can happen? Um, you know, because for a lot of us, we control is a way of trying to stop the worst happening or, or, you know, to stop the catastrophizing. And when it comes to food, like really what's the worst that can happen if we just let that control go for this little period? Um, so that's like my little favorite release control mantra. Um, and then the other thing is probably just to, to allow, um, to really shift that focus. So, it's hard to like when when your headspace is really open and free and there's lots of stuff going on is more likely when all that stuff jumps into your head you know and that need to control and so it, it's kind of an advantage having a little baby and, and all these routines that take up all that headspace um but also maybe finding some space to clear it out so for for women whatever works for them whether it might be i mean some some activities that i often recommend but i think it's really individual people need to find out what works but you know journaling is a really good 
good one or breathing. And when you've got a newborn, yeah, sitting down and doing a journaling exercise for five minutes can seem like completely ridiculous. So maybe it's a small <laughs> small three-minute breathing exercise while you're heating up the, the hot water to sterilize the bottles or while you're having your shower every, like, you know, four days, um, <laughs> you know, doing something that you can really, um, as you can tell, I've had two children, so I, I really I do understand. I didn't say that before, but, yeah, I've, I've been through that phase, so I know how crazy it is. Um, yeah, so just as much as you can connecting to the now and that's the best, um, you know, and however you do that for you, but that's probably the best way to to kind of remove, reduce that control. Control is all about trying to, you know, look into the future and, and control, you know, trying to stop bad things happening. So what's the worst can happen mantra, but also connecting to the right now because the more we connect to the now, the less our thoughts are, you know, running ahead. So babies are a really nice tool for that because mm. you can sit there and stare at them for hours on end mm. and lose track of time, um, which is a benefit. Um, but, yeah, it, it is hard, Matt. Like um, it's not something that that women are going to – I mean, it could be something if you do know that's part of your personality that's probably worth either doing like working on before or just putting it on pause and working on after. But, I, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to put too much on your plate in those kind of early days or those early months years <laughs> yeah right you know but it, it's i like that you said um it might be something you want to work on before because mm. that's a that's being intentional and and recognizing that you have areas of opportunity and being proactive and doing something about them knowing that as you get into that postpartum stage you know you're going to want to have these tools in your tool belt and so i think the fact that you said that is is awesome as well and you know also just embracing that it is challenging to let go <laughs> like mm, you know, oh yeah it's, it's hard to let go if you've got zero kids or five kids and, and everywhere in between just because you know I, I i can just speak for myself it's you have to really have that trust right that goes back to mm, that, that, that yeah. keyword that trust and so um, i appreciate you just giving some tips for people to mm. be able to apply this stuff and and see the results and feel it on their own i think that's that's critical Mm. Yeah. And before we move on to the next stage, I will just say there too, just to sort of wrap that up too, is self-compassion as well, because I think um, that 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 need to control or that kind of um, those things, they're, they're just little protective mechanisms that we've developed over our life. To, they're not bad. You know, I think it, it's not going, oh, you know, I'm always trying to control things. I really need to work on that because I've really got to get rid of that. It's more about just recognizing that we develop all of these behaviors as a way to try and protect ourselves. And, and, they develop as a way to as a survival mechanism and that's okay um and it's just about finding the space and time to let that go when you can but not beating ourselves up for having you know been through that phase because it did its purpose you know it had a purpose and it did its job and it kept us going when it was needed but it's recognizing sometimes that I don't actually need that anymore and maybe um I can work on yeah letting that go a bit um but yeah self-compassion is really important on that journey totally agree that's that's huge um, I'm curious. So it seems pretty clear either we've, we've had examples of it in our lives, you know, as women, all of us really, cause we all have relationships to food, but you know, specifically women and mothers, we're pretty clear on the unhealthy things or the things that show up when we don't have a powerful relationship to food. Cause we're, we've either experienced them, right. Or we are experiencing them or we're clear that we don't want to experience them. So flipping that instead of focusing on the, the bad stuff, you know, the quote unquote bad stuff that we talked about, what do you see, you know, from your experience and then from where you sit with your 
your knowledge and the work that you do, what opens up for a woman, for a mother, you know, what becomes possible and what are the healthy impacts of a powerful relationship to food? Um, where do you know, what are just examples of where you can see that or how that shows up in birth and in motherhood? You know, what does that mean for a woman to feel empowered in her relationship to food? Oh yeah, Sarah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's um the, the the biggest the biggest word that I can sum it up is freedom. Wow. Um because when yeah. when we and and I know that can seem strong, but it really it is that big because when we're in that crux of that less healthy relationship with food, it takes up so much headspace, it takes up so much energy that need to feel or feeling like we need to control or change our food and our bodies. And when we can actually step away from that, it is freedom. It's freedom from all the food rules. It's freedom from that voice in our head that's always there. I mean, the voice will still be there, but freedom from that negativity and that um, pressure from that voice in our head. It's freedom from the pressure we put on ourselves and our bodies to change and shift and and be this thing that perhaps it never is going to be. It's freedom from um, restriction around food. It's freedom from feeling like you're out of control around food. It's freedom from um, not, you know, and it's also freedom freedom to as well. It's freedom to enjoy food. It's freedom to connect to your body. It's freedom to accept your body. It's freedom to see that you are worthy no matter what body you live in, no matter what food you eat, that doesn't define you and it doesn't define your worth. And it's, it's just, it's freedom. It it really is the word that sums it up when women can move through that and get to a point. And it is a work in progress. You know, it's not linear. It's not, it's not, and it's not simple or easy, but the payoff is worth it because to have freedom around food, freedom to enjoy food and freedom to just trust your body. um, It's, it's, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. And then you get to Go love on your baby and watch them, like you said, for hours and you can feel great and you can just be you. Yeah, it's not. um, Well, and it is that you can be you. You can recognize that you are worthy just as you are Mm. um, without having to change your body, without having to do the quote unquote right things with food that you don't have to hit um, all of these things to be um, to, to be enough. To, to be be worthy and that is really often what it comes down to for women for our relationship with food um, and recognising that you can be the expert. So you are the expert in you and the expert in your relationship with food and when we can move into that place of healthy relationship with food, you can women um, get to a point where they can trust that and they know that themselves and they can be that expert um, and just interact with food in a way that is just really feels almost effortless um, um, because that is how we're born. You know, if we think of that newborn baby, wakes up, it's hungry, it eats, someone feeds it, it goes back to sleep. It's so effortless for that baby because that is how we're born Mm -hmm. to eat. We're born to have a signal with our body, to honour that signal, enjoy it and move on. And, you know, and and if anyone's ever seen like a milk drunk baby, they sure do enjoy (laughs) their food. And that is how people... You know, that's how people are programmed. We are programmed to enjoy food. We're programmed. That's that's how we're born um, and we just lose that. And so when we can build that healthy relationship with food, we come back to that. We can enjoy eating again. We can feel free to be that newborn baby screaming for our food, eat it, enjoy it, and, and all walk around with little milk drunk faces because mm-hmm. we're just enjoying our food and enjoying life again. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. You know, it's great. The work that you do, it's very clear to me that this goes beyond just the food we eat, right? Like you're talking about accepting yourself, loving yes. yourself, you know, yep. recognizing that you're worthy, that that mm-hmm. you can experience that freedom, that you can enjoy life. And I think it's it's incredible the avenue that, that you've 
that you're connecting that message to people through is with their relationship to food, because that's something that, as Sarah said, everybody has a relationship to food. Mm-hmm. Everybody has yes. some relationship towards food. And so, you know, what you're doing is, yeah. is powerful and it's impactful. And, um, I just, I love it. I'm so happy that we were able to bring this conversation, um, into this podcast so that everybody listening can, can, if nothing else, just be a little bit more aware of your relationship towards food and, and the stories that you're telling yourself around the food you eat and what it means about you. And so uh, I just, I, I love it. I, I appreciate everything that you do. Yeah, no, and, and like going for people can take that curiosity, like you said, just being aware, curiosity, connection, and then compassion. Um, and if yeah. you can work on any of those three areas around food, then you're going to really start working towards a healthy relationship with food. So maybe the connection feels a little bit hard right now. So work on compassion, just work on being kind to yourself um, or work on curiosity, just being curious about what's going on. And you, there's time to take action later. You don't have to go, all right, now I've noticed this thing, I have to act on it. Even just being curious is makes a big change, and that's sure. um, probably where you know. Even just calling, um, you know, this sort of approach, eating with awareness, is, is enough because just by being aware, it, it starts to shift things. Um, and so, yeah, connection, curiosity, connection, and compassion, and if any of those three elements that people can start on um, can make a really big difference. Yeah. So, where can listeners go to learn more about you and to connect? Yeah, so I hang out at Eat With Awareness pretty much everywhere. Um, Facebook, my, my website, eatwithawareness.com and on Instagram eat, at Eat With Awareness um, so people can connect wherever they prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have specifically um, for um, for mamas um, with 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 kids uh, is a little like a four steps to oh some some steps to kind of really nurture that um, healthy relationship with food in our kids because I think that comes up for mums as well once you realize that you're working on your own relationship there's that awareness of okay well I don't want to pass this on so right. I've got this um yeah just a little thing people can download um at eatwithawareness.com forward slash kids um where people can grab that and have a look um and it applies to mums as well, but it's a really good um, good kind of just summary of of what to be aware of as we move forward to feeding our kids um, and ways to kind of, yeah, just nurture that relationship with food as opposed perhaps to what happened in our experience. Not to blame anyone, but, you know, that's just, right, that's just life. That's there. just how things yeah. went down. Yeah. Um, but a way, you know, if you're concerned about passing that on or you're wanting to just even start really gently with yourself, um, that's a really good resource people can have a look at um, and then reach out. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions or give support if people are looking for that. Well, I have a feeling that people are looking for it. And now by hearing this, there will be um, some of that going on. Um, And so like Matthew said, we'll include links to everything in the show notes for you listener from that resource um, for kids and um, all of the handles, all the ways to get in contact with you. You are so amazing, Laura. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you for being here, being in this space and just gracing us with, you know, all of your understanding and experience. It's really wonderful. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for both of you and your community for having me. And I just hope that if anything, um, it just gets people starting to, yeah, be curious and and think about where they're at um, and to hopefully be a bit more kind to themselves around their eating. Quick 
note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.